Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we will be in verses 3 through 11. So starting in verse 3, Hebrews chapter 12. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons, for what son is there whom his father does not discipline. And if you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Beside this, we have earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Praise God for the reading and for the hearing of his word. Let's pray, and we will dig into this passage together. Father, thank you for the incredible gift of today. Lord, we thank you that we can gather digitally in this space, in our homes, in our various locations that we are in this morning, we thank you that we can gather as one church, that we can love one another in community. God, we thank you for the gift of technology that allows us to connect when physical circumstances don't allow us that luxury. And God, we do pray that your spirit might move through your word in a way that would help us understand your discipline in our lives. Lord, you oftentimes discipline us as followers of Christ. And Lord, help us to get a grip on that truth and help us to not only get a grip on it, but joyfully embrace the trials and the tribulations that you bring into our lives as believers. God, may you help us this morning. May you help me. May you help those who are listening to this word. God, to experience the amazing grace of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to make application to that end. In Jesus' name, amen. So growing up, I hated getting spanked by my dad. I, I mean, I hated getting spanked all the time. I, I hated the feeling of being disciplined. I hated the reality that I had done something wrong. I, um, I, had, I hated the reality that I needed to be corrected for something. Uh, one day as a boy, I had disobeyed my parents and I received a spanking. I remember running out of the house thinking, I never wanna have that feeling again. I will be perfect from here on out. I was so determined. And, uh, well, of course, I never reached that perfection, and the discipline of my parents continued as I grew up. I grew and matured 
And uh, as I grew up in the junior high and high school, the discipline took on a different form because I had parents who loved Jesus. So they, they weren't done disciplining me. Gone were the physical spankings, but some of the punishments for the behavior, sinful behavior, they got more painful. Uh, driving privileges were taken away from me at different times when I did bad things. Curfews were instituted during a season of time that I did lots of bad things. Money was not uh, free and handed out, you know, to me at different moments. Um, and throughout high school and college, I, I never enjoyed discipline. Can, can you relate? I hated it when a coach would have to yell at me. I, I didn't like it when a teacher expressed disappointment in my academic performance. And I yearned to avoid discipline when I could. But I also was learning to love discipline, if that makes sense. I, I was learning to love spending extra time um, after a basketball practice, getting up extra shots, putting in more time uh, than others to get better at my sport. Also, I, I, I began to love the discipline of reading. I began to love the discipline of studying and, and getting into God's Word and, and, and figuring out how academically I could perform better. I, I began to get in a rhythm. So discipline, um, on some levels, I, I, I yearned to avoid it. And, and also, on other levels, I was learning to, to love it. And so uh, discipline is the theme of Hebrews chapter 12, 3 through 11. Um, the word discipline in this passage of Scripture, it means to correct mistakes and curb passions. So the discipline of God upon His children is a real thing. Can I get a sofa? Amen. It is happening today. It's happening in 2020. God is chastening His sons and daughters. He's curbing the sinful passions of of his kids, and he is correcting their mistakes. The word discipline in our culture carries with it a negative connotation because it often means that, well, I'm doing something wrong. Discipline is a painful process. Can I get an amen? Discipline includes painful moments in our lives, and yet, it is the pain of discipline that is often the quickest way into the soul of a man or a woman. Think about it in your own life. It's been pain that has spoken most deeply to you. It is pain that has spoken most effectively to your heart and mind. And if we don't understand discipline correctly from God's Word we will begin to drown in despair. And that's not where God wants us. So God, God's word in this passage gives us clarity and hope regarding the theme of discipline. And if we can understand this morning why God corrects our mistakes and sometimes stops us in our tracks, then we can move forward in our Christian lives and experience the peaceful fruits of righteousness that are mentioned in Verse 11, because it says, for a moment, discipline seems painful, yet, yet later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And we want that yield. We want the peaceful fruit of righteousness in our life. But it often only comes 
through the painful moments of God's discipline, his loving discipline in our lives. So, God's discipline on his children is a theme that you will find throughout Scripture. Consider one of the many, many verses in the Bible about discipline found in Job chapter 5, verse 17. It says, Behold, blessed, happy is the one whom God reproves, therefore despise not the discipline of the Almighty. God wants us this morning to understand his discipline and why it's in our lives. I think that's the big idea of Hebrews 12, 3 through 11, is God is wanting us to understand his discipline and why it's in our lives. It's very important. Um, so this morning we're going to see the perspective of discipline, we're going to see the purpose of discipline, and then we're also going to see the proof of discipline. Three Ps. So the first is the first point is the perspective of discipline. For the believer in Jesus, our struggle against sin in our lives is tied to Jesus and his struggle. So the author of Hebrews tells us to consider him. You see that in verse 3? Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself. Consider who? Well, consider Jesus. The author of Hebrews is telling us to consider Christ. Jesus' struggle against sin was harder than yours and mine. Um, this is good perspective for believers when we want to have a woe-is-me attitude. Have you ever wanted to have a woe-is-me attitude? I'm sure you have. Um, whenever we're tempted to have a woe-is-me attitude about the hard things God is bringing us through, um, we may have struggles in this Christian life. Jesus said we would have struggles, correct? I mean, it's what he said. If you believe in Christ, you're going to have struggles in this life. And God may be bringing hard things into our lives, but God's discipline in our lives should cause us to look to Jesus. Because what he went through is harder than what you and I are going through. Can I get an amen? What Jesus went through in his life was harder than what we are going through in our lives. We should keep enduring in our Christian life because we look to Jesus and we say, well, as hard as what I'm going through is, it's not as hard as what my Savior went through for me at the cross. In verse, chapter, in verse 4, it says, In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. So Christian, this, this is a really important verse for us because have you had to bleed yet for your struggle against sin? This is perspective. When God disciplines you, he takes you through hard times, but rarely, if ever, have you had to bleed for it. Jesus not only bled, he bled more than we can imagine in his fight against sin. Blood came streaming out of his side so that sin could be paid for. And I'm question, my question for you and me this morning is, I wonder if we're putting our trials and our tribulations above our master. This is perspective. This is the perspective of discipline. More than likely, God is taking 
it easy on us in comparison to what Jesus had to go through. Believer in Jesus, don't grow weary. Consider him so that you won't get faint-hearted. Your suffering is connected to Jesus' suffering, and that is, is, is important for you to know. And even in that, you and I probably have not shed our blood yet for our struggle against sin. So be thankful and receive perspective this morning. It's the perspective of discipline. Secondly, we see in this text the purpose of discipline. Now, this is kind of a trick because there are multiple purposes for when God disciplines his sons and his daughters. According to John MacArthur, um, God is seeking to do three things to believers when they are disciplined. When God disciplines his sons and daughters, he is seeking to do three things. One, um, he could be disciplining his sons and daughters because he is punishing them for their sins. Um, some discipline by God is he's stepping into the lives of his sons and daughters and he's saying, no, I'm going to actually punish you for dumb decisions that you are making. I am going to not let you get away with pride and sin, and I'm actually going to punish that sin in your life. Right? That could be one reason for the discipline of God. Uh, another discipline, uh, reason for discipline, according to MacArthur, is he is preventing us sometimes from sinning. The discipline of God comes into the lives of believers sometimes to prevent sin. So God steps into our lives, he puts something painful in our lives, in order to prevent us from something worse, something more painful, something more drastic. And uh, praise God when he does that. He prevents us from further sin through his discipline. And thirdly, MacArthur says the third reason why um, discipline comes into the lives of Christians is because um, sometimes God is educating us on what we don't yet understand about him, and about ourselves, and about our circumstances. And that, I think, is what's going on in this text in Hebrews chapter 12. So if, if you have come to saving faith in Jesus, then God becomes your Father. Okay, So if you're a saved person, God becomes your Father. And when God becomes your Father, um, He begins the process of loving discipline in your life. So He disciplines us, for our good. You can see this in verse 10. For our parents disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share in his holiness. God's, God's idea of, of bringing education into our lives, of helping us process who he is, a lot of that is found in verse 10. He disciplines us for our good so that we may share in His holiness. And that's one of the purposes of discipline. God is not mainly concerned about your comfort. He's mainly concerned about your character. And let me say that again. In verse 10, God is not mainly concerned about your comfort. He's mainly concerned about your character. God's desire is for you to share in his holiness through Christ. And he says, be ye holy as I am holy. In this passage, the purpose 
behind God's discipline is the education of his sons and daughters. It is God's design that his discipline train the believer through trials so that the son or daughter can experience the yield of the peaceful fruits of righteousness. So, this educational purpose of discipline is illustrated in the stories of Joseph and Job in the Old Testament. Some of you already know those stories. Both Joseph and Job were severely disciplined by God. I mean, you can't read through the book of Genesis and not see um, the, the discipline of Joseph was very severe. And if you read the book of Job in the Old Testament, you can't help but notice that the, the discipline on Job's life was very severe. They were both disciplined by God. Joseph was sold into slavery, and Job had all his physical possessions taken from him, and he was afflicted physically with boils all over his skin. And they both had these intense moments. They had to endure seasons of time where they had no idea why God was taking them through the trials they were going through. At the end of their testing, both Joseph and Job saw some of the purposes of God and his discipline in their lives. In fact, Joseph confessed that God worked it all out for good. Remember with his, the scene in Genesis 50? Uh, verse 20, Joseph surrounded all his brothers, and he said, You meant for evil, God meant for good. Joseph had learned over 25 plus years of God's discipline in his life. He learned that what man meant for evil, God actually meant for good in his life. And Job, at the end of, of his trial, his testing, his discipline, um, in Job 42 5, he acknowledged that he knew God better and he could see God more. And he confesses that in Job in 42, chapter 42, verse 5. And uh, when God disciplines Joseph and Job, he's doing it for educational purposes. He wants these men who are going to be used by God in big ways to understand who he is. And so the main purpose of your discipline and my discipline this morning from God might be that we see God better. If you have confessed Christ, God is more committed to you becoming more like Jesus than he is committed to anything else in the world. He's more committed to you understanding that. And he will take you and I through whatever he needs us to go through in order for us to see who he is. And by the way, that doesn't mean that you're going to know and understand every detail of your discipline. You're not going to know every detail of what God is doing. Because there's things that mystify you and frustrate you and bring you into places of darkness and despair. You're not going to know every single thing that God's doing. You'll know that in heaven. But right now, you may only see the bigger pictures or the small pictures of what God is doing through the hard trials you're going through right now, that is the point of discipline. Is to get your eyes off of your circumstances and onto God and learn about Him and see Him more clearly. It's the purpose of discipline. Finally, we see in this passage the proof of discipline. God's discipline in the life of a genuine Christian is a sign of love and serves as proof 
that a person is really saved. Verse 8 is particularly clear about this. Let's look at verse 8. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Now, this is a big deal. This verse is big because it's saying that if you haven't received the discipline of God in your life, you are an illegitimate Christian. That's a big statement by the author of Hebrews in verse 8. Another way to say it is if God ain't spanking you, you ain't his. Okay? If God ain't spanking you, you ain't his. And here's what I mean. I mean, who hasn't experienced this at Walmart? Can I get an amen? Alright, if, you, if you're going, walking through Walmart and you see or you hear a kid who is out of control, crying, fussing, cussing, carrying on, um, you look over there and what do you think? You think it's time for me to step into this child's life, alright? Like, who has not been there? You've been there before. And, and, and you're, you're looking around and you're saying, man, if mom ain't going to do it and if their dad ain't going to do it, I am going to be the messenger of God to that kid right now, and I'm going to go lay down the pain. Now, we've all thought that. You want to discipline those children, but you don't. Why? Because they're not yours. You don't discipline the kids at Walmart because they are not your kids. Um, your kids, on the other hand, Parents, all of you parents watching, your kids, on the other hand, because they are yours, you have the right and you have the obligation and you have the responsibility to discipline your own kids because they are your kids. And you want them to grow up to be amazing men and women who can contribute to society, who can live and be great individuals who love Christ hopefully love Christ and believe in Christ, but make an impact in this world. And if you don't discipline your kids when they're young, you can forget about it when they're older. And maybe that's a word for you parents who are trying to be friends with your kids. You just want to be friends and you let them do whatever they want to do. You are sowing the wind and you are going to reap a whirlwind. Because by the grace of God, our kids need discipline when they're young. Because they're ours and we love them. And so it is with our God in verse 8. If you are God's, he will discipline you. He will prove that you are his by correcting your mistakes, by curbing your sinful passions, and by rebuking you when you are headed the wrong direction. The greatest sign of judgment in our world today is when God leaves people alone. The people who should be pitied most in this world are the people who don't seem to have any problems. The people that should be most concerned in this world are the people who are experiencing no discipline from God in their life. If you don't have the discipline of God in your life, I pity you. I pray for you. Because it is that discipline that proves your child of his. Consider Romans chapter 1, where the first sign of God's judgment on any culture is God giving over people to their own desires. It is the scariest thing in the world for God to say, I'm done with that man, 
I am done with that woman. I am done with that individual. I am done with that society. I am done with that culture. When God starts to hand over a culture to their own desires, it is a sign not of his love. It is a sign of his judgment. We are experiencing the judgment of God on our culture because God is just letting us do whatever we want to do. The sign that God loves you and me and he loves our culture is his discipline. He cares enough to correct us. He cares enough to curb our sinful desires. He cares enough to rebuke us and challenge us and push us the opposite direction. If you profess Jesus as your Savior, and yet you don't have any evidence of God's discipline in your life, you need to question whether or not you're a real believer. Further proof of discipline is the truth and the reality that God disciplines the ones whom he loves. Verse 5 and 6. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, or be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives. That is a quote from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10, 11, and 12. If God is not disciplining you, as we've said before, it means that he doesn't love you. He chastises every son that he receives. And the word chastise in verse 6, it is a very intense word. It means to flog with whips, and it indicates a very painful beating. Now, God is not a child abuser, as some would like to assert. It just means this. God's discipline can be very intense. Like, if, if you are his son or daughter and you're sinning in an extreme kind of way against him, God doesn't mess around with his name and his glory. That's what it means. If you say you represent Christ and you are being drastic in your sin, he will prove his love for you by being drastic in measures to bring you back to his heart. God won't hesitate. If you're sinning big... God will do big things in your life to pull you back into his presence and into his heart. So if you are being disciplined by God, don't misinterpret your trial. Your trials and your tribulations are proof, proof of God's love for you. So you might, you might say, in 2020, God must love us a lot because he is showing his discipline every day. And I, I got to laugh a little bit, but I got to agree. I have to agree. God is actually showing us great love during this tumultuous year of 2020. Um, there is no doubt in my mind that God is spanking believers in our nation because we are drifting away from him, we are seeking our own truth, we are indulging our flesh and its desires, and, and it is just like God to be so gracious in 2020 to correct our mistakes, to rebuke our direction, and to curb our sinful desires. 2020, contrary to popular belief and opinion, has been a great year of God displaying his love for humanity. 
all that is going on in America today is a sign of destruction for non-Christians. That is true. Philippians chapter 1, verse 28 tells us that. You can look up the verse later. But all that is going on, all the tumultuous stuff going on is a sign of judgment for non-Christians. But it is not a sign of judgment for believers. What is going on in our world today is a sign of loving discipline where God is proving that we are his sons and daughters by saying, I don't want you to go that way. I want you to change how you think. I want you to change how you think about your life and your rhythms and your priorities and your idea of ethnicity and your idea of, of, of how to handle science. I want you to correct your thinking. And I don't think there's a better time than to respond to the disciplining hand of God and say, God, I'm yours. My mind is yours. My heart is yours. Everything within me is yours. I receive your loving discipline in my life. Help me to change directions and to return to the heart of Jesus. So as we close up this amazing passage of the Scripture, I'm going to ask you just a few questions. What place does discipline have in your life? God's discipline. What place does it have in your life? Is it a top priority or is it just one thing on the periphery, the margins of your life? What place does God's discipline have in your life? Do you have perspective in your trials? Do you know that no matter what you're walking through right now this morning, Jesus has been through more and harder things than you and you can trust him this morning? Do you see the purpose of God in discipline? Do you see God educating you, your spirit, your mind, through the trials, understanding that what he's doing right now is helping you know him better? And finally, do you see your trials as the proof that you are genuinely a Christian? Do you see the trials that God brings in your life as proof that you are a son of God or a daughter of God through Christ? You know, some of you this morning have no evidence whatsoever of the discipline of God in your life. And it's time to seriously consider this morning whether or not you are a Christian. Because if you are left without discipline, the scripture is very clear. You are not a son. You are not a daughter. If you get whatever you want all the time, no matter what, it might be evidence that you're not really Jesus's. And so if that's you, I think you should take it seriously this morning. Some of you need to embrace the truth that, God's love, that God loves you. If you genuinely know Christ, the disciplining Him, the trials and tribulations are evidence of His love. God's discipline isn't a sign that He has abandoned you. It is a sign, actually, that you are His and He loves you. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your grace and mercy in our lives. We thank you for your disciplining hand, Lord. It's not often what we, we love in life, but Lord, it's what we need in life. And so God, I pray for our church this morning that you would give every genuine Christian who is listening to this message perspective in their discipline. God, help them to look to Jesus. 
Lord, help them not to feel sorry for themselves, but to look to Christ and say, well, I haven't shed my blood yet, so I can, I can do this. I can trust in Christ. Lord, be with those who need to find purpose in their trials. Purpose in your discipline. Lord, help them to see who you are and embrace who you are, God, to know you better, Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to put upon our hearts proof over and over again that your discipline is proof that you love us and that you care about us. And Lord, I pray for anybody in the audience who's listening who does not yet know Jesus. And Lord, I guess there are some who are watching this morning who have never experienced the discipline of God in their life because they're not yet saved. And Lord, I pray that you would save with a mighty arm those who need to believe in Christ and surrender their lives to Him. Lord, may you build up your church in these days of pandemic and during these days of trial and tribulation. Lord, may you continue to build your church. Thank you for what you're doing at Living Waters. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining the stream this morning. God bless you as we, uh, as we continue our day. May our worship not stop here, but may we be worshiping Jesus all day long. We love you, Living Waters family. Can't wait to see you all again. We'll talk to you soon.